1: Pleased to have as my guest today on Song of the Soul Bruce Judkins. Bruce was raised Catholic but didn't really catch religion till he was 35. In the meantime, he served in the U.S. Air Force, had two failed marriages, and had serious drinking and drug issues. At 35, he knelt and asked for Jesus to come into his heart, and it changed his life. Bruce focuses much, perhaps most of his life, around his devotion to Christ. He participates regularly in prison ministry, hosts a regular fellowship group at his home, and engages in very regular Bible study. Plus, he is my brother, and Bruce, I, and other members of our extended family regularly discuss, and sometimes debate, religious and political issues via email, passionately. Welcome, Bruce, to Song of the Soul. Thank you, I'm glad to be here. I'm really very happy to have you here to share your Song of the Soul because even though in some ways it's like we're light years apart, I feel really very close to you on the sincerity and depth of both your and I think my spiritual search, our connection with God. How are you feeling today? Does this make you pretty nervous?
2: No, I'm I'm not intimidated by being in your presence at all. The fact that more than two people might be listening to this is a little intimidating. Overall, I'm, I'm real pleased for the opportunity, actually. Have you had a chance to act somewhat in the role of
1: preacher to get up in front and give messages?
2: Not with the church in particular. I've had other ministries. We have home team groups that meet in our house, 10 to 14 people, and I've led those. And I also do a jail ministry thing, as you know, where I'm often doing Bible studies leading 20 to 30 men at a time.
1: I guess let's cover some of your history, which, of course, I know being your brother, but I think it will be helpful for our listeners to understand where you grew up and how you got to where you are now because we both grew up Catholic. How did you get to where you
2: are from where you were? Something I was thinking about prior to coming in here was that I've heard you speak in the past, we grew up Catholic. There's no doubt that that is in my background, but I can honestly say I don't recall ever grasping that as part of my life. I went through the catechisms and heard about Jesus, And if somebody would have asked me, I would have, of course, said I'm Catholic. But if they would have asked why, I wouldn't have had a reason other than my dad was Catholic. So it was never, uh, I never put my arms around it, let's put it that way. And that, in fact, showed in my life, I, I suppose. I did a lot of things that people who grew up in the late 60s and early 70s did. I moved towards alcohol and drug use at a relatively early age. By the time I was 14 or 15, I was... Drinking a good amount already by then. By the time I was 16, I was drinking a lot. It had a, an adverse effect, as you might well guess, for the, the next 20 years of my life. Destroyed two marriages, stint in jail at one point, which kind of ties in with what I'm doing now. And the good news is I came to a realization after I had an encounter with Jesus, one that lasted anyway. I accepted the fact that he wanted to use those things of my past for my present. It wasn't that I had to be ashamed of them, but that he did want me to change. He wanted me to be more like him and less like myself. And so I've been able to grasp those mistakes that I've made and try to pass on some wisdom and some love and some care because of them. When do you date the big change in your life from? I was in jail in 1985 for drug use for about eight and a half months. And while I was in there, I attended Bible studies and read the Bible. I actually even prayed to receive Christ into my life at that time. But what was lacking in my life was I think I prayed for Christ to come in and help me with my circumstances rather than to change my life. So that was 1985 that literally the day I got out of jail, I began drinking and doing drugs and partying again. About seven years later, another failed marriage and probably two other drunk drivings, had a woman who was in my life and became my wife now, actually. We both knew we needed a change in our life and we just started earnestly looking for God. On the same night, actually, October 21st, 1993, we uh, both knelt down in our living room with a group of three other people who came to share the gospel, the good news of Christ, with us. And we both prayed to receive Christ that evening, and my life changed. I opened my life up and gave it to Christ. There wasn't lightning and thunderbolts, but one thing that was real obvious was literally the next day I did not swear anymore. Every once in a while something will slip out now but that was just one of them kind of like they talk about the rainbow you know here's a sign and I believe that was a sign to me that he was serious and I was serious this time and it was going to stick and that I meant it. Let's start
1: into your music and I welcome you at any time that you jump in with stories of how you've gotten to where you are today. You said you were going to use an acronym, ACTS, acts as the kind of background for the songs that you've chosen and the way that prayer should go. And the first letter, A, stands for adoration. So you've got some adoration songs. Oh, and we should say one more thing. All of the music that you've chosen is by a single person. Why did you pick Margaret Becker as your person?
2: I chose Margaret because it it was an interesting thing. This goes along with the change that occurred in my life when I truly accepted Christ into my life. I knew that the music I was listening to didn't glorify God at all. I mean, it was quite the contrary, actually. I was searching for new music, and people would say, well, try listening to this person or that person. And it was just so hollow or something to me. Finally, somebody told me about a Margaret Becker tape. I listened to it, and it still happens to this day. I had to listen to it probably three or four times before it really hit my soul and became what I wanted to say. One of the reasons that this opportunity intrigued me was a song of the soul. I literally can't sing three notes in a row, twice in a row, and get them right. I'm probably the world's worst singer But when people who sing praise or pray through their music do so, I can kind of grasp on to what they're doing and offer that up as my co-equal praise to God. Going back to the original question, Margaret Becker has an extensive library. She's been making music for probably 20 years now. It was hard to narrow it down to these seven. I could have been stuck at 20, actually. I have a ton of other music that would have done the same, but I didn't want Mark to have to interview me for eight hours. So,
1: <laughs> Tell us about the first song of Margaret Becker's that you chose, an adoration song called You Are Worthy.
2: This is actually one of her later songs. She'd been on the road for about 15 years, it sounded like, from the little bio I read up to it. And she was just taking time off and wanted to reflect. And this is a song that she came up with. It's beautiful because of its it's pure praise it offers the right focus that we should be going to god with understanding that he is god of all creator of all including myself and that i am subject to him and that's a good thing not a bad thing where do you find god where do you see god's glory being exhibited it's an interesting question the natural beauty of creation i Is just obvious. Yesterday, for example, we drove from Rice Lake area up here, up to Duluth, in search of that beauty, actually, just looking at the fall colors and just taking in the sunlight reflecting on the hillsides. That part of it is, that's where in Romans it talks about no man is with excuse because God displays himself so clearly. My greatest enjoyment of seeing God at work is through people, people I've known, myself, my wife, other people who meet in our house, different Bible studies and things like that, to see their lives change, the excitement that comes out of them when they catch a verse that they've probably seen 20 other times, but all of a sudden they realize it was written to them, and they want to change and conform to be more like God in respect to that.
1: We'll listen here to a song of adoration. It's called You're Worthy, and it's by Margaret Becker. mentioned your extended time with alcohol and drugs and, in particular, you went through a couple marriages. I have a bad tendency to invest myself too much in the relationship and let my partner become too important. Take place of some of the glory that really is supposed to go to God. And it's really only because that's got straightened out that Sandra and my relationship is the right relationship for me. It's like we've got God in the center. Your marriage with Debbie. How is that different than your
2: previous two marriages? You just hit it right on the head exactly, is that God is at the center, actually above and at the center. I now view marriage or relationship as a triangle. And instead of Debbie and I, this is the right way it should be anyway, it still doesn't always happen this way, but instead of our focus being on each other and either pointing fingers or grafting ourselves into each other so much the focus is on God and when that happens you seek more of what God wants in your life it's putting it in a rightful place you mentioned the past marriages and it's really the story of my life rather than even just those two marriages in particular is my whole focus until the age of at least 35 was Bruce and really how I framed life was hey I'm out to have a good time And if you can't be with me and have a good time, then I suggest you just not be with me because that's all I'm focused on. It was always Bruce, Bruce, Bruce. still have those tendencies, but I try to be aware of them now rather than to just accept that as the way it should be.
1: Part of what brought this to my mind was the name of the next song, which is Say the Name. And I'm aware of how often, in place of where we should be putting our adoration towards God, where we put it on something else, we worship our riches we worship our partner we worship sex drugs and rock and roll when you pray
2: to God what names do you use father preeminently I mean Jesus is a tough one to get around because he gave us so many options he calls himself friend he calls himself brother he calls himself God The rightful place when I pray in this song, I mean, there's different references to it, but it, it really depends on where I'm at in that particular prayer. I'm just reaching out for transformation, which this song speaks of. There's a verse in it that says, I'll say the name that has heard my cry, has seen my tears and wiped them dry. That line always reminds me of myself, that need that I had and have found in him the change that happened because of that. Where do you worship now? We attend a rather growing church, a large church, and we go to worship, as it's known, on Sunday, just like you would find at many common Christian churches. I also go to, when I can, a men's Bible study at that church on Wednesday evenings. At least once a month for a week or two prior to it, I spend a lot of time preparing for my uh, leading the jail ministry, that draws me to worship. The greatest thing I've learned about worship is it's not singing. I mean, that's just a facet of it. Worship is how you lead your life and present it to God. Any act of service, any act of love, any act of giving is worship, and that's where God wants me to be. And I'm really thankful that that became clear to me, because as I said, I can't sing a note
1: that sounds like a good intro let's go into the song it's called say the name and like all the other songs for bruce's song of the soul it's by margaret becker
3: a more sweeter sound
2: song clay and water why'd you pick this one for your song of the soul ties into that adoration principle that i was talking about in prayer it's one thing to know who god is and keep our focus on him above us over us creator of us but that helps us put ourselves into perspective also i am his creation and as such i know he loves me But he's not done with me. I'm Clay. He's still molding me. He's changing me, conforming me more to his image as I allow. Clay sometimes gets off the potter's wheel and runs away. I've been known to do that every once in a while. The great hope I have in Christ is the transformation that he's doing in me.
1: You mentioned that you stopped swearing and I think that you stopped drinking as a result of your conversion. Are there other outward signs that make it very clear how
2: you've been changed? I think just the general demeanor of my life, what's important to me, that's probably the most obvious change. You're right that I did quit drinking, I quit doing drugs. But even that, that's an interesting part of the story actually because that part of the process started about 10 months prior to that night I prayed to receive Christ into my life. I know that he was drawing me towards him. and. He knew that I needed to be straightened up a little, so I could even hear him. So I'd gotten another drunk driving shortly before that. Was going through the motions, I would say, at a court-ordered rehab thing, and it just finally broke down on me and just said, "Bruce, get real. You know, you need to make a change in your life. It's not going to change on its own." And so I threw myself into a program to stop drinking. It was hard. It was like, what am I going to do with all my time kind of thing? That was my memory of the greatest challenge. I didn't have DTs or anything like that, but it was more just, well, what am I going to do for fun now? That's what scared me more than anything. Well, God has given me many outlets for my time, places to receive joy. I'm not so concerned about happiness now as I am joy, and there is a difference between the two.
1: Let's listen to Margaret Becker's song, Clay and Water, this is the third song in Bruce Judkin's Song of the Soul.
3: the change
1: The next song just come in is about confession, about forgiveness. We both grew up Catholic and we had confession that we did there. And I think confession is a fairly good, not only idea, but practice to actually open up your mouth and say it. Do you have opportunities in your religious life to confess things and to have the group hold you aware of God's forgiveness when you ask for it, when you invite it in?
2: That's an area that could actually still use some growth in my life. I do understand the biblical principle of confessing to others with others. Honestly, that doesn't happen that often in my life. Sometimes as men, we're off to the sides and we would talk with each other, but it's not a norm, which I think that could use some absolute development in my life. I try to separate between confession and repentance. they are Two different things. Confession is coming before God and agreeing with him that what you're doing is wrong or agreeing with him what sin is sin. Repentance is literally turning away from sin or turning to God. That's the harder part of confession. You know, It's one thing to just blurt out and go, yeah, you busted me, so sorry. But it's a whole nother principle to say, you busted me. Help me not to do it again. Help me to keep my focus on you and to draw towards you.
1: Let's listen to a song about confession and really forgiveness. It also is by Margaret Becker, and it's called Just Come In. to things that I've learned about forgiveness is that realizing that I receive it it's really important to pass it on have you been able to do forgiveness towards others in your life
2: Oh, there's others that could testify against us probably but I feel that I am by nature kind of a forgiving person there's a verse that speaks of he who has been forgiven much is able to forgive much and that means a ton to me. I mean, when I go in to do my jail ministry, for example, I'm on an even plane with those guys. I feel no superiority. I feel no pride. I feel like, oh, but for the grace of God, there go I, because there I went, you know. Forgiveness is the same way for me. I feel like I've been forgiven of so much and changed by God that I'm capable of offering forgiveness. That's a part of life that uh, I think I do okay at.
1: We've been going through your acronym, ACTS, Adoration, Confession, Thanks, and Supplication. I'm not sure what we're up to right now. I know the song is O Me of Little Faith, but which letter does this one apply to, Bruce? Well,
2: it ties into a couple, actually. It ties into both thanks and praise. There's just something about this song that seems like it was written about me, and so I naturally gravitate to it. It has a different rhythm, beat, a little more bluesy kind of background to it or something that I actually just kind of enjoy. To me, it focuses on when we lose focus and think that we're going through life on our own, trying to carry a burden. All we have to do is look back to God and understand that He really is in control. When you talk about
1: losing sight of God, do you still go through that since your conversion experience? Probably
2: every day. I mean, I want everybody to know who's listening to this. Bruce isn't some holy roller guy. I'm just another person trying to get through life and seek God's will for my life. When I lose that focus, it takes a while to realize that you've lost touch with God. For me, I realize God doesn't like me any less if I'm not reaching out to him, but it does break fellowship.
1: Let's listen to a song about that. Oh, me of little faith. Margaret Becker is the singer.
3: There's been a whole lot of shake me I've been turned
1: Bruce, I, just, I was sitting and aware that I wanted to invite you to share a
2: prayer with everybody. Would you care to share a prayer right now? I'm caught a bit by surprise by that. If I could uh, offer up a prayer. The Spirit must be working here. Lord, I just want to thank you, Lord, for being a God who loves each and every one of us, who is constantly seeking and reaching out for us, trying to share your love with us, Lord. Our nature is to run away. We like to think we can do things on our own. We like to think that we're in charge. And that coupled with any time you come into our lives, Lord, there's a lightness, a brightness that happens. And we realize at that moment that you can see our sin, Lord, our bent towards nastiness and evil, Lord. I just want to thank you, Lord, for seeking me, for coming after me, for making the changes you've made in my life, Lord. And I pray that everyone who hears this, Lord, knows that if you can do it in my life, Lord, you can do it in theirs, you're willing to do it in theirs, and want to do it in theirs, Lord. I just pray that you would reach out through whatever means, Lord, to touch each and every one of us and call us to you. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.
1: Amen. Coming up on Song 6 out of 7 for your Song of the Soul. And this one is called All I Ever Wanted. So why this one?
2: Well, it's interesting. It's called All I've Ever Wanted. That doesn't apply to my life because this song sings more to my life since my conversion, I suppose. It grabs all four of those parts of prayer that we've spoken about. The adoration, the confession, the thanksgiving, the supplication, the request to supply us with something. The last verse in it says, I know I don't have the power to love you like I should, but every day with everything I have, I wish I could. I'm standing here now. These words I pray, I want to love you better, whatever it takes. What a prayer to grab onto. you know. If I could, every five minutes of my life, grab that, feel it, know it, and live it, how God could be glorified, how I could be changed, it's not always in me. But I wish it was.
1: This is a difficult prayer that she's singing in the song. Even though it's my ideal also, I'm aware of how many things God could hold in front of me. And I'd want to say, I don't know if I'm going to trade off that. Kind of like Abraham standing on the mountain. Am I willing to give away my son? Am I willing to give away my wife? Am I willing to give away my country? Am I willing to give away so many things that God could call us for? where are the places that you have the most work to do, the things that you're most tied to that
2: would <laughs> give you pause and say, well, do I really want this? Oh, the whole journey is a challenge. I go through these challenges with possessions, you know. God is such a great God. I know he wants to bless me. And the daily challenge I go through is trying to define what is truly a blessing that God wants me to have, or being able to draw the line through it and say, this is what I want, and this is what he wants to give me. It's hard to walk that line, because I look at everything as a blessing from God. On the other hand, this is a worldly world, and there's things that I desire in it, and so am I, without even thinking about it oftentimes, tracking the path towards those things that I desire and want, and then I call them a blessing. That's the challenge. I mean, I have a very nice house. God gave me a great job. Is that where he wants me? You've got an awesome wife. Don't forget to say that one. (laughs) That goes without saying. What I've come to is a point where knowing that God is God, I pray for his leading. I pray for The sight to know when he wants me to change or to turn. Sometimes I'll miss it. I know that. But he's also a patient God. I mean, he gave me 35 years of roaming around in a circle before I even found him the first time. I'm hoping he gives me a few more years here to work it out a little more and to make those proper decisions, what I do and don't need, what I should be seeking.
1: The song is All I've Ever Wanted. Margaret Becker
2: is the artist.
3: Oh
1: I know that there's lots of different ways of doing things, but I think one of the blessings that we have from our upbringing is that you don't have to be quiet and bite your tongue. We're not a quiet, polite family. And so one of the riches that we have is that there's about six of us, seven of us, who exchange emails. Sometimes they're debate, sometimes they're one-line quips, and sometimes they're real sharing. I consider that one of the riches in my life. I wish that more families could talk openly honestly about what they really care about. So I want to say to you publicly while everybody's listening how thankful I am for that continued. It's been years now that we've been doing that and I think it's one of the riches in my life. It's something I look forward to each day as I go in. We've come to your last song for your song of the soul and it's called I Don't Want To Be Without You. Did you start by picking out this song and then just filling in the front?
2: No, but obviously when you hear this song, whoever's listening to this program, for one thing, are probably those who are seeking spiritual things in their life. And I think this is just going to hit home with any of you, where you have family members that you just wish they could have some of what you've received, what God has granted you, and you see some things going on in their lives that you know could be better but they're afraid, or they think that that's as good as it gets. This song almost makes me cry inside because it's so real, and I believe the premise of it, for one thing, that humans were created to be eternal beings. God created us to endure for an eternity, but there is a dividing line on that eternity. He has a plan for those who reach out and want to be with Him, and He has another plan for those who reject Him. This song speaks of my desire from my brothers and sisters, aunts and uncles, down particularly to our children. And I can't envision an eternity without them. But it's even more important than that. I can't envision them without God for an eternity. I can get over the fact of what I do or don't have, but I can't get over the fact of what they don't have. And that's what I desire in their lives.
1: Let's listen to Bruce's last song for his song of the soul. It's called I Don't Want to Be Without You. And like the previous six, it's by Margaret Becker. i I know that you and Debbie have to be heading back south. Thanks for making time in this weekend.
2: One of the reasons we're in a hurry to get back is our home team group, which the reason we have home team groups at church is our church is so big that oftentimes you don't really have fellowship because there's a thousand other people walking around, you know. In these home team groups we kind of simulate what went on in the book of Acts and people meeting in home and really forming relationships, fellowship, praying for one another. We're in a hurry to get back because our group is meeting tonight, and that's one of the reasons we're trying to get moving here. Thanks for squeezing us into your schedule here. Mark, I can't thank you enough for the opportunity. I mean that so much. I think it's a great thing you're doing here, giving people the opportunity to share the song of their soul. Thank you for this opportunity to be with you, and it's just great to see you. You've
1: been listening to a Song of the Soul interview with Bruce Judkins. You can hear this interview again via my website, northernspiritradio.org. You'll find a list of the music there, other programs, and helpful links about my guests. Song of the Soul is produced by Mark Helpsmeet. If you'd like to share your Song of the Soul with the listeners of WHYS-FM radio, please contact me via my email address, helpsmeet at usa.net. That's H-E-L-P-S-M-E-E-T at USA.net. And please join me Sundays at 11 a.m. for Song of the Soul.
0: You can be happy, let in the light it will heal you. And you can feel you and sing out a song of the soul.